This is Matt Woodley with Monday Morning Preacher from PreachingToday.com. And preachers out there, I have a question for you. What does it look like to achieve success as a preacher? What is success? What's a successful sermon? What's the difference between success and faithfulness? We're going to explore those questions today with my guest, Wes Oden, who is the pastor at Houghton Wesleyan Church in Houghton, New York. Wes, great to have you with us today. Thank you. Good to be here. And Wes, uh, you have two very interesting, distinct things about your ministry. First, you have been at your church. You just finished 24 years at your same church today, right? Yeah. Yes. So this very day. So tomorrow you'll be starting year 25. That's right. So hats off to you for longevity and perseverance. I bet your people love you. Well, it depends on who you ask, probably. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure they do. Uh, The second thing about Wes that I also find interesting is that he received his Doctor of Ministry in preaching under the great preacher and preaching professor, the late Haddon Robinson. And we'll get back to that a little bit later. But uh, Wes, tell us a little bit about your ministry context. Uh, Houghton is a hamlet. I I always like that term that New Uh, York uses. That's a very nice word. Yeah, of about 1,700 people. It's home to Houghton Academy, which is a high school that has dozens of international students, and Houghton College that has about 900 students. Our church is almost 175 years old. Wow. It's a a diverse congregation um, in many ways, socially, educationally, even theologically. It's, It's kind of a unique setting in this small little town. Yeah, sounds fascinating. So... I, I just got to ask you one question to start with. 24 years. 24 years in one place. Why? Why have you stayed 24 years? Most people are, you know, a lot of pastors are jumping around a lot these days, but you stayed 24 years. Why? You know, that's a good question. I ask myself that sometimes as well, is how did we end up being here so long? Because when you start, you don't really think about that. When I first, when they first contacted us about coming, I was surprised out of the blue, kind of phone call. And I was even more surprised when after we came and candidated, which is our process, that they actually wanted us to come. And I remember on the plane on the way home saying to my wife, I don't feel like this. I don't think I can do this. These people are, you know, just far more educated. And I, I just I feel intimidated and, and things. And she said, I've thought about that. I've met a lot of the people. And I've come to the conclusion that what they need more than anything else is, like everyone else, is to be loved. Hmm. And that really has been the driving force of our time here. And I I think that has something to do with longevity. Not trying—the goal is not to change people, but to love people. And so I think our ministry has come out of that. I mean, there have been times through the years where we have wondered if it was time for the church to hear a new voice. Yeah. And maybe a time for us to have a new group. And every time God, we thought maybe there was a door opening, God kept closing it. And here's the thing. I was thinking about this this morning. Every time God closed the door, we were glad. Huh. Uh, we weren't disappointed. We were glad that we yeah. wasn't leading us somewhere else. And, and so, um, and honestly, this is a great church. They have, I, I, I don't know what I have done in terms of, um, helping people with their lives and their growth, but this church has helped me a ton to be a better pastor and certainly a better preacher. 
I think that has a lot to do with it. Yeah, that's a great answer. So I want to talk about preaching and what makes a successful sermon. I know preachers, we may cringe at the word success in preaching, but we want to do well. And we don't want to do poorly. We don't want to fail at it. So I guess the opposite of that is we want to succeed at it. But so how do you know from your experience and from your training, how do you know if we've preached, if you've preached a successful sermon? What does that mean? Or do you not like that word? Yeah, I mean, it's such a hard question to answer because it it implies that you can measure it. Mm -hmm. And of course, churches tend to measure things by numbers. And I'm not sure that's always the best way to measure. I'm not saying it's it's not insignificant, but I think I, I as I've been pondering that, I think you know you look for people's responses is humanly speaking of successes. People saying, "Oh, that was a great sermon," or sure. that really spoke to me. And of course, that that feels successful, and probably it is. But I used to think that success was. People were remembering the points of my sermon. Hmm. That was one way of being successful. And that was one of the things that I learned from Haddon that, that you know, he was his idea was it, that if people can walk away with a pretty good handle on your big idea so that they think about it and they live it, that's probably more su- of success than some of the ways in which hmm. we do that. I actually think success, too, is more about me. And, and the preparation of preaching than it is the outcome. Because there's some way where the outcome's up to God. Yeah, right. And and so it's one of the things that I was thinking about in terms of being here such a long time. I think one of the one of the th- things that scares me the most is becoming stagnant. Hmm. Because stability can turn into stagnation pretty quickly, it seems like. Sure. And we have, we, we've tried, uh, both me personally and our staff, to combat that. One of the... One of the things about that related to preaching is that's one of the reasons I got into the DMIM program is because I felt like when I came here, I'd already been a pastor for almost 11 years. So after three or four years here, I'm getting that 15 year mark and just feeling like I, I need something to to help me. And when I discovered that Haddon was leading this class and teaching it, I jumped on that. And you, you remember when I don't know if you had when I was a kid, we had Hot Wheels. Oh, yeah. And the things that we had was. Um, a little house looked like a little house, and it was a supercharger. And the yes. you set a truck in an oval, you ran the car through that, and it would it would shoot it out of that yes. with enough momentum to get it back around to the house, and you could keep going in a circle. And I felt I felt like the demon program was the supercharger for me. It I learned so much and gained just you know hard to put into words that whole process. But what I also found is that. There, you keep coming back around, and I needed, I keep needing to think about that. And so, uh, a number of years after that, we felt like it was um, an issue of the church really engaging in prayer, and um, and so I began preaching about that. And actually, Matt, your book, The Folly of Prayer, was super helpful to me about that. Many of my sermons that fall, we started this prayer event every year of a three-week, twenty-four-seven prayer vigil, and. And I preached about prayer all that fall, and a lot of the ideas were things that I, I gleaned from your book. And I'll just—you didn't ask me to say this, but yeah. if people listening, if you haven't read Matt's book, you should read it. It's really, really good. And I found that that was super helpful to me. And then I found out—I found a number of years after that, 
I could feel it slowing down again, and this time I felt this prompting from God that I should start preaching without notes. Mm. And scared the life out of me. Sure. I've always been a manuscript preacher. When I was in class with, with Dr. Robinson, we had to preach without notes, and I did that, but then I went back to my manuscript preaching because that was comfortable. And yeah. So I, I couldn't get away from that, and so I thought this is I, I this is it became a, a spiritual issue for me. I remember I ordered a went on Amazon, looked up preaching about notes books, a book by Joseph Webb called Preaching About Notes. It had good reviews. I bought it. I got it on Monday. I started reading it. And I thought if I'm doing it, I'm doing it. And so I didn't tell anybody I was going to do it. But Sunday, I'm I, you know I hardly slept Saturday night. And uh, Sunday, I'm sitting there thinking to the thinking to the worship leader, let's sing that one more time. Let's, let's do it again. <laughs> How long can I wait to not have to yeah. get up? And, you know, I thought I, I still wrote a manuscript and I, I still do that. And I thought if I take this with me, I'm going to look at it. So I just left it sitting on the chair and I walked up and I thought I'm not telling anyone because if it flops, maybe no one will notice and I can just go back yeah. to my man. But I got through it and it actually was OK. And and I have not. I haven't preached a sermon since wow. without with notes or anything, and that was a huge turning point for me as well, just to propel me into a new learning curve. And the latest thing I've started doing over the last couple of years is meeting with a, a friend who's a, a pastor, and we we work through our sermons together. Um, we yeah. preach a lot of the same sermons throughout the year, and we sit down, we walk through the exegetical, homiletical ideas, talk about the passage, application. We each write our own sermons, but that has been a huge thing. And all of those things, I feel like if you if you if you stay a long time, you have to find ways. <clears throat> excuse me, you have to find ways to continue to keep growing. And and those are things that have helped me to I feel like to just keep growing, and I think hopefully the church growing. That is great advice, and I'm a huge fan of that. I'm so glad you said that, Wes. Um, by the way, we're recording this during the sort of the height of the coronavirus stuff, and uh, people are hoarding toilet paper. They're also hoarding my book, The Folly of Prayer. So uh, I'm serious. It went out of print about five years ago because nobody wanted to buy it, and now all of a sudden, Everybody wants a copy of it, and it's selling on Amazon new for over $60. Yeah, so it's crazy. I just want you to know, I wouldn't sell my copy for that little. <laughs> Hold on to it. it it's, it's going up. Oh, so, yeah. um, Wes, I love that idea of just constantly you know, looking at your preaching and growing in different ways. Now, I know you're, uh, you're raising up and you're mentoring younger preachers, so tell us about what are you trying to pour into younger preachers? What are you seeing? What kind of a message do they, you feel like they need to hear? I, th- I think the thing that I, I try to, I, I, am, I meet with some, some pastors, uh, younger pastors, and I, I was blessed when I started ministry with having two people who were mentors for me. I could call them day, night, anytime, and ask them anything I wanted to ask them. I, I discovered pretty quickly that most of my colleagues didn't have that kind of, didn't have those kind of mentors, and mm. they were very, very jealous of the privilege I had. And I feel like God has has done that for me, and now it's an opportunity for me to turn that around. And so, um, I started a couple of groups about five years ago. 
I started primarily just saying to them, look, let's talk about preaching. That was the main thing. It often conversations often go into other parts of ministry, but I walked them through a lot of things I learned from Dr. Robinson in a class. You know, I, I talked to them about just some of the pitfalls that I've discovered for myself, uh, challenging them and and just and listening to them as well as they talk about their struggles and their frustrations. And because, I mean, I've served in a wide variety, you know, in, in different variety of churches. And I understand, you know, the being the only pastor of the church and being a pastor with staff and, you know, the different dynamics of that. But I feel like just just listening to them, answering questions and being available. That was the real value for me when I was when I had with those mentors. And and it it cha- it changed from I don't know what to do. Help me to I think I might do this. What do you think hmm. to I did this. Help me evaluate that. Yeah. To fewer and fewer calls and and yet always still available. And that, that because ultimately, you know, I want to help them feel confident about their abilities as a pastor and specifically as a preacher as well. You know, I find that's really helpful, Wes. I find that uh, a lot of preachers I work with, we kind of have this assumption that preaching is almost like the last thing where we'll say, I need help, or <laughs> can I get input on this, or I need some advice, or I, I don't know how to conclude this, or, uh, you know, bounce, I, I don't know, we, we just feel like we're so alone in this, like we got to all <laughs> figure it out by ourselves, and it's a sign of failure if we need to reach out and ask for advice, especially on a regular basis. But I love the way you're meeting with that friend and planning your sermons together. I just think that's so healthy. The other thing that I will also, that I also did, and I do, it was a D-min assignment to meet with a group of people before we preached a sermon. Mm. And I thought to myself, well, this is crazy because these people are going to, none of these people are going to want to listen to the sermon because they've already, yeah. you know, I've already talked to it with them. But we had to do it, so I did it, and I we got done. I thought, wow, this is pretty amazing. And for the past 17 years, I could count on one hand the number of wow. sermons I've preached without meeting with them. I've just started these groups. I got two groups. They meet each meet twice a month or once a month, and we I just walked through all my sermons with them. And last week, when I was preaching, there was a story that one of them told the group, and it was so amazing. And I said, it's okay if I tell that story, right? And I said, sure, of course. And, you know, I, I didn't have that story. They had that story. Yeah. And I, I'm a lot better about answering questions of the listeners before they ask them because they've talked about it. I, I, I just I, – I, I, that has been one of the best things that has also helped through the years. And, and it builds trust with people because I kind of come to it with an openness. And, and, they, and they're the best listeners in the church Yeah, because they're invested in it. You know, they, they've, they've helped with it. And so I find that to be really Yeah, well, too. I've also found when preachers do that with me, when they share their sermon, like with a Google Doc, and they're asking for <laughs> advice and input, I always enjoy the sermon more. Because it's yeah. like, oh, I know, I know what's, what's coming here, and I'm, I've been have time to think about it and meditate on it. So yeah. um, you got your D-min under Haddon Robinson. And mm-hmm. uh, so what do you think Haddon would say about our topic of success or versus faithfulness in preaching? What did you think the great one, the great mm-hmm. Haddon would say? I can only remember him talking about success in one way, hmm. and that really related to his his whole concept of how of, of sermons, and that is that big idea that he's hmm. famous. Yeah. And it goes back to something I said a few minutes ago that 
he, he said, most of us think it's successful when people can walk out and they have our outline just right and mm. we get the right points. And, and he kept telling us it's about the big idea. It's yeah. about implanting that one brief biblical idea into people's minds so that when they walk out, they are much more apt to live that idea than to put it in a notebook somewhere. Mm. Um, and and so I, I think and because and he would talk to us about the fact that if we're mainly concerned about people getting the points, then we're mainly concerned about information. Yeah. But if we're mainly concerned about getting the idea into their minds, then we're really concerned about life change. Yeah. And it's not that information obviously isn't important. But that's not the ultimate goal of preaching. I think that might be the ultimate goal of a lecture, but that's not the ultimate goal of preaching. Um, and I also think the other thing he would say to us is um, that we don't really have any control of the outcome. So giving ourselves fully to the process of preparing sermons is really all we can do to create an atmosphere where a sermon might be successful and that's that's our role and that's what he kept you know driving home to us over and over again if you've read his book you can see that in his writing and 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 a big part of that too was just keep asking the questions asking why and asking why again and not settling for cliches Mm. or uh, that kind of thing, but really trying to keep digging deeper and deeper and investing ourselves in that. That is great advice. So, Wes, one last word from you. <clears throat> you know, you've been in the trenches now for uh, 24 years in this church, but what, 36 years overall? Is that, yeah. do I remember that right? So, that seems right. Um, yeah. You also have some top notch training. Uh, what is one thing? So, you're a pastor now to us, to the rest of us preachers, to me and to all the other preachers that are listening to this, what's the one thing that you would say as a pastor to us, our, our fellow preachers? What, would, what advice would you give us, or word of encouragement, or whatever? I, I think it comes back to the idea of never stop, never stop learning mm. and stop putting yourself in a place to grow. And I think that comes at us from a variety of ways, what we read, just how we invest ourselves in learning, but I also think a lot of it has to do with investing ourselves in people hmm. uh, and meeting with people, listening to people, engaging with people. And I find that that actually has wider effects even than just preaching a sermon, but that that builds trust and relationships with people, and that enhances ministry. Yeah, um, that's, that's a great word. Well, as my friends on Long Island would say, mazel tov on your <laughs> first 24 years. May the Lord bless you with another 24 years. Thank you. I see. You'd be, yeah. Well, we won't say I'll, how old. You can say no, how old. I'll, I'll, I'll be up there if that happens. Right? <laughs> it I may, started when I was six, so, you know, I, yeah. It may happen. Remember, every time you tried to leave, you were glad you that didn't. So that is you'll true. probably try to retire, and, and you yeah. know, the Lord won't let you. But anyway, anyway, seriously. So. Seriously, yeah. congratulations on uh, nearly a quarter of a century of really uh, fruitful ministry. And so, Thank and thanks for your wisdom. It's been great talking to you, Wes. And you as well. Yeah, thanks. This is Matt Woodley with PreachingToday.com. Preachers, pursue faithfulness. Success may not be ultimately in our hands, but faithfulness is. So let's be faithful to the Lord and His Word and His people. 
This is Matt Woodley with Monday Morning Preacher. Hope you join us for the next episode.